There's great power in a name. It says who we are. It's what we are known by to all those around us. And there's nothing so powerful as the name of the Lord God. In a world that often feels chaotic and fear-filled, God's name is the one to hold close. In this series on the names of God, CMC pastors will be sharing the importance and emphasis of each name and revealing how they meet the needs of our everyday circumstances and situations. Join Associate Pastor Paul Kern in this series on the names of God. Welcome to our series on the names of God. We are doing this series to help us better understand who God is, God's nature, God's character, God's intentions toward us. And uh, I think doing this study really helps us get a portrait of what God actually looks like. You know, what, what does God look like? How do you describe God? Is God six foot two, blonde hair, blue eyes? Is he five foot 11, brown hair, green eyes? I mean, how do you describe God. You don't describe God with physical qualities, but you begin to describe God by his nature. And that's what we've been doing in this study is we go through all of these different names that we've been looking at. In this session, we're going to look at Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, his banner over me right? Y'all remember that song? His banner over me is love. You might not remember it if you're young, but if you go way back like me, you remember it. As a matter of fact, speaking of going way back, if you were in the 80s and you were in a non-denominational church, what you would have seen everywhere are banners. Does anybody remember the banners? They would have banners hanging off poles and banners off the walls and they would a lot of the banners would have the little gold tassels hanging off of them and they would have purple and gold and you would have all the names of God on on all these different banners and I laugh about that just because it's just it's just so funny because I mean you can you can go in outdated churches today and they still have those same banners that they made back in 1980 hanging on the wall gathering dust but you know what God's name is eternal, and it never changes, and God's word is powerful in our life regardless of how old it is. Churches aren't the only thing, though, that that use banners. Sporting events use banners. You know, they advertise, and they have banners over uh, the different teams to display or promote, promote their team. Concerts have banners that they place over. Armies have banners. Lots of armies have banners over uh, their military. So we've seen in the study God would reveal himself to people in different situations and under different circumstances, and different scenarios would arise where God's people needed divine intervention. They just couldn't overcome their enemy, or they got themselves in a situation where they had sinned and fallen short of what God had called them to do, and they got themselves in a really difficult spot. And so God would have to come in and intervene on their behalf. God would come on the scene. God would reveal himself and address their particular situation with a name. He would reveal himself in that name. And regardless of whatever problem or crisis you may be facing this week in your life, I want you to know that God has a name to address that problem or that crisis in your life. Turn to Exodus chapter 17 with me. This is going to be really the main area where we're looking tonight to really highlight what we're talking about. Exodus chapter 17, around verse 8 or 9. Israel is um, in a real difficult 
situation. The Amalekites have come against them. And so Moses actually is having a conversation with his right-hand man, Joshua. And so these are the instructions that he gives Joshua. Verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. Verse 11, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew very tired, they took a stone and put it under Moses for him to sit on. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other side, so that the hands remained steady until sunset. Now, the staff of Moses, and this is what Moses is holding up, is this staff. It was the same staff that turned into snakes and ate up the snakes of the Egyptian Pharaoh. It was the same staff that ushered in the plagues on Egypt. It was the same staff that God used to part the Red Sea. So God's people identified with the power that was associated with this staff, right? So we're seeing this. This staff represents the authority and the power of God. And so Moses is here standing on this hill. He's holding up this staff. And as long as he is holding up this staff, the army of Joshua is prevailing against the Amalekites. But when Moses got tired and his arms began to come down and that staff began to lower and it was no longer over them, then the enemy would begin to prevail, prevail against them. So his, his staff communicated very loudly to Joshua and all of the people of Israel that Moses was looking to Yahweh for the victory, not to Joshua and the army of Israel for victory. It's important that we see this illustration here. And it was all contingent upon Moses' posture. It wasn't contingent upon the army. It was a contingent upon Moses' posture. It wasn't tied to their ability. It wasn't tied to their education. It wasn't tied to their strength or their skill. It was tied to God's ability to rescue his people. Isn't that good? That's good stuff. We got to see that. So when you're fighting battles in your life, and we all have them to fight, some of us fight battles with depression, fear, jealousy, envy. Some of us fight battles with just our moods. And that's not really all that fun, but it's something that we have to do. We don't want to be moody. Some of us fight battles with sickness in our bodies or some of our relatives or friends, people that we love, they're fighting that battle. And so we're, we're fighting that battle. So when you're fighting these battles in life, there's two extremes that I think a lot of people take. And I, I want to look at these two different extremes that people fall into. One extreme is there's no effort on your part at all. There's no work. There's, there's no prayer involved. There, just trust in the Lord. We're just trusting in God. We're just trusting in God. That's where we're at. 
The other extreme that I think people fall into is they totally exclude God from their battles altogether. They grit their teeth. They, I mean, they just muster all the strength that they can, and I, in my own ability and in my own power, I'm going to face this thing, and I'm going to try to overcome this issue in my life. Now, God teaches us all throughout Scripture that we are co-laborers with Jesus Christ. We co-labor with Jesus. In other words, that, me- that means, you know, we've locked arms with Jesus, and we're working alongside with Jesus in what God has called us to do. So we've got two camps of people in a couple of different scriptures. One camp, Psalms 37, verse 25. It says, once I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. How many of y'all believe that scripture? That's good, you should, because it's true. Then there's another scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, that says this, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. So we have two extremes. We have one where the Bible says God's not going to leave his kids begging for bread. But then we have another scripture over here that says if you don't work, you're going to be begging for bread. So which is true? Well, the answer is yes. They're both true because, you know, we, we so struggle with this church. And I know Pastor Tim, this is something that he talks about so often. And I so appreciate his understanding of this but faith and works they're not you can't separate them they they have they're married they go hand in hand everywhere they go faith and works work together so we have a responsible role in our lives but we alone are not sufficient to fight all the battles that come our way there's been lots of times that I've cried out to the Lord and said God if you don't get me through this there's no possible way I'm going to be able to pull this one off you're going to have to help me How many of you have been there? Sure. And we call out to God, and God does help us. But at the same time, God wants us to exercise our faith in the name of Jesus, exercise his word in our life by speaking it over our situations and out of our mouth and making our declarations. And therefore, we're co-laboring with Jesus in what God has called us to do. So Israel's in this battle with the Amalekites. And the Amalekites are a picture of the forces of evil in your own life. You know, there's all kinds of armies that came against the children of Israel. The Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Hittites and the list just the Amorites. The list goes on and on and on. And I've actually um, heard a, a sermon several years ago. It's been a number of years ago. A pastor's preaching and he was... Um, connecting all of these different pagan nations with different attitudes like anger and fear and jealousy. And each one of these represented an area in your life that you had to overcome. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And that's, you know, certainly true. But the Amalekites are a picture of the forces of evil in your own life. Anything that's keeping you from walking in the fullness of God's calling on your life is your Amalekite. That's your Amalekite. That's that's the battle that you're engaged in 
in your life. And we understand that our fight is not with people that we do life with, although from time to time we do occasionally have fights with people that we are doing life with. But we recognize that our fight is not with people, but our fight is a spiritual battle. The Bible says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, come on, but with principalities and powers and wicked forces in heavenly places. Okay, so we understand that we are in a spiritual battle. Now, one thing that I know about battles is they get tiresome. You know, you, you, you get in a battle, you get in a fight, and, you know, there's some battles that we encounter in life, and, you know, they, they're, they're short-lived. They don't last very long, and those are certainly the kind, you know, that I think we probably enjoy. Um, but then there's other battles in life that they're prolonged. I mean, they don't last for just a day or two. They don't even last for a week or two. They last for months. Some battles even last for years. You know, I've watched people engaged in battles with different things in their life that went on for a very long time. And battles can become very tiresome. So we become weary of one battle after the next, one battle after the next. And I, and I think it's when we have one battle after the next that we are tempted to want to give up and quit and just throw in the towel. You know, I, I know working with young adults, one of the things that I've really learned working with them, and they're awesome, I love working with young adults, but... You know, the, one of the things that I've learned with, with younger Christians is that when you, you hit a snag or you make a mistake or you fail, you miss the mark, you know, maybe some of you Teen Challenge guys can identify with this, you know, some of you guys that haven't been walking with the Lord for very long and, you know, you're trying to do right and you blow it and you mess up and you do something that you knew you shouldn't have done and it, it just almost overwhelms you. You just want to just, what's the point? You know, I've messed up again. I've made another mistake. I've blown it one more time. I just want to just give up and quit because I'm just a failure. And certainly that would be what the enemy would want us to do, is he would want us to give up and to quit on God's dreams for us. But it's important to notice that while Moses is holding up his staff, the staff did not get heavier. It just felt like it did, the longer that he had to hold it up. And we've got to understand that as we're in our battles that we fight, the staff isn't getting heavier. It's just the length of the battle, and we have to keep our focus. And that's really the, the hard thing about getting in an extended fight is maintaining your focus on who the victor is. See, who, who's the one who is your banner? Who is the one who has overcome? Focusing on that. In Exodus 17, verse 12 and 13, we see it says they had to place a stone underneath Moses for him to sit on. Kind of raised him up. And then Aaron and Hur came along and they held up his arms. They actually literally came beside him and just lifted up his arms and held him up for him because his arms had gotten so tired he just couldn't hold him up anymore. When life gets difficult and it starts to beat you down, you've got to have some people in your life that are going to come alongside you and help you and encourage you. And this is so important for, for all of us in here tonight, and especially 
you know, probably want to talk more to us men in the room than, than us women, because I, I just know us men, you know, we want to be masculine, and, and we want to be strong, and, and certainly those are all qualities as men that we ought to want to aspire um, to be. But God has not called you to be an island unto yourself. You can't go through life as a Christian and fulfill all of the plans that God has for you to fulfill doing it by yourself. You just, you just can't do it. God created his church. He called it his body. And we all make it up. Fingers, toes, you can't see me wiggling them right now, but I am. Eyes, ears, nose, mouth. We all have a part to play in the body. We are meant to work as a team. The scripture says that one can put a thousand to flight, come on, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Now just imagine the power that we have together as we pray together, as we come into unity together, as we agree together, as we get behind one another, the power that we have. I, one of the illustrations that we've always used here at our church is, you know, I know a lot of people in our church, hundreds of people. And my house is located just a stone's throw from our church here. And, you know, if my house were to catch on fire in the middle of the night, I could make one phone call. And I could probably have 100 people at my house within an hour. Now, that's some power. But that's the body of Christ. And if your house was on fire, I'd come help you too. I mean, that's, that's, what, we, that's what we do. We draw strength from other people's faith. And so my encouragement to you is, is don't allow your pride or your you know, your stubbornness to keep you from calling on your Aaron and your her in your life because they're, they're important in your life and you need them in your life. And you have to understand that your Aaron and your her in your life are not perfect, but neither are you. And so we can't put these, you know, these unrealistic expectations upon people in our life well i'm not calling them because you know they're they're obnoxious well you're obnoxious too sometimes we all are i mean that's just human nature <clears throat> but people are there to help you they love you they care about you they want to be involved in your life but but you know i hear about things that happen to people and and i didn't even know it happened I, I didn't know they had surgery. I didn't know that they were having this struggle. I didn't know that they were having this issue. And it makes me sad that I find out after the event because I, I would have prayed for them. I'm a person who prays. I will lift you up in prayer. I will call you. I will encourage you. I just heard about a, a man in our church the other day that had some mini strokes, and I wasn't aware of it. And I got on the phone yesterday, and I was, I was calling him, and I was encouraging him, trying to beat that Aaron, trying to be that that err in, in somebody's life. But I want to encourage you, don't let your pride keep Aaron and Ur at a distance in your life. And let me encourage you in another area, because I think this is a very important one. 
Don't allow shame or embarrassment or guilt to keep your Aaron and your her out of your life. You know, it, it, the enemy uses that so much against God's people. We make a mistake, we blow it, we feel ashamed, we feel embarrassed, and we feel guilty, so I don't want anybody to find out about it. I'm not going to bring anybody into this because I feel bad about what I've done. But that's the time that you need somebody more than anybody. And, and certainly, I mean, we're not going to throw stones. How could we? I mean, we see Jesus, and he's having a conversation with these men, with this woman, and he says, whoever is without sin, you can be the one that throws the first stone, and they all begin to walk away. And so obviously none of us can throw stones at anybody when they, when they make mistakes. But, but it's so important, God wants to use people to bless you, and God wants to use you to bless people. Never underestimate how God can use you. And sometimes it's just a little bitty thing. You can be an Aaron or a Her to somebody just with a little text, just with a little phone call, just with a little encouragement. You know, sometimes people, if they just have just a little, just a little push, man, they get their momentum back. Doesn't take much, just a little phone call, just a little encouragement. It does so much for them, just a little message. It really helps them out. Look at Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. Exodus 17, verse 14, it says, After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder. And read it out loud to Joshua, I will erase the memory of the Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. The Lord is our banner. In Numbers 21, the children of Israel, they're out in the wilderness, they're rebelling against God, they're being defiant and disobedient. And they begin to murmur and complain about their circumstances. I think most all of us are familiar with this story. God sent poisonous snakes to bite the people because of their murmuring and their constant complaining. And God was trying to show them how, how physical disobedience has consequences. You know, w there's consequences to what we do. It's very important that, you know, when we're tempted to do something out of emotion or feeling, that we weigh out the consequences. Okay, what's going to happen if I do this? What's going to happen if I say this? How's this going to affect other people if I decide to do this? You know, we need to consider those things. We need to weigh those things out, especially when we're in a moment of emotion. And God's people, they're, they're murmuring and complaining, and, and they're murmuring. And, and so they cried out to God for help because these snakes were biting them, and God gave them instructions. He said, Moses, I want you to fashion a bronze snake, and I want you to affix it on the end of a very tall pole, and I want you to raise the pole up above the camp of Israel, and when anybody gets bit by a snake, I want you to have them look to that snake on that pole, and they'll be healed. It's very interesting. It's, that's kind of weird, but, <laughs> but that's what God told them to do. Because God was beginning to teach his people about his 
moving in their life. The banner was lifted up, and the people looked to something higher than them. It was above them. You know, aren't you glad tonight that God is high above your problems? You know, I hear people say, you know, I'll ask people, how, how are you doing? How are things going? Well, Paul, you know, under the circumstances, not so good. And we can come under our circumstances. We're people. It happens. I'm not condemning anybody that that happens to you. But, but what I am saying is, is God is never under our circumstances. God is in a position in our life He's always above our problems and our circumstances, and he's always sure, and we can always look to him and find that place of stability and healing in our life. See, the banner was lifted up, and the people looked to something higher than themselves. In John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, And just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a snake on a pole for all the people to see and to be healed, the Son of Man, Jesus, is ready to be lifted up so that those who truly believe in him will not perish but will be given eternal life. And so what that's talking about is Jesus was getting ready to be crucified and he was going to be nailed to that cross and they were going to raise him up. And every single person that looks to that cross, and we've got one right up here above my head, Every person that looks to that cross will find healing. How many of you have looked to that cross and you found healing in your life? Isn't that wonderful? But the, but the cross of Christ isn't just to heal us from a spiritual sickness. The cross of Christ heals us in every area of our life. The cross of Christ can heal us emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically as we look to Jesus see he is the banner that's been lifted up Jesus is that banner in our life he's been lifted up and as we look to Jesus we find healing in our life you know I just want to take a moment to recognize our banner you know I think it's so easy to look at our circumstances instead of looking at our banner we look at our problem instead of looking at our banner. We look down instead of looking up. I remember Peter being out walking on the water, and the storm was all around him, and he began to sink. And he reached out to Jesus, and Jesus, who was higher than him, reached down and grabbed Peter, and he pulled him up, and he rescued him from drowning. See, that's what Jesus does in our life. He doesn't, he doesn't allow us to drown in our problems. Now, I'm not saying that he won't let you sink a little bit, but that's okay because that makes you look to him and it helps make you strong. It grows you and it gives you that perseverance in your life. But God has set someone over us who is our banner. He is our identity. He is our healer. He is the one that is over every area of our life. Jesus is my identity tonight not Paul Kern Jesus my banner is my identity I identify with Jesus my banner the Bible says in Galatians 2 20 I've been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live 
but the life that I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus is my banner. He's who I identify with tonight. Look to your banner that waves over your life. When you face problems, look to your banner. Look to your banner. You know, I think about the flag that we place out on certain occasions and that flag we look to because that flag still flies today. It is our banner. It reminds us of our victories. It reminds us of where we've come from. It reminds us of where we're going. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't get discouraged, but focus your eyes on the banner of Jesus Christ in your life because he's willing and he's ready for you to lift him up over your problems. He's ready for us to do that each and every day as we look to him. Jesus provides for us and Jesus meets our needs. Amen. Let's pray together just a few minutes. If you want to just close your Bible and just for a couple of minutes here. Let's just identify with Jesus as our banner. As you're praying, I want to read a scripture to you. As you're just meditating on the Lord tonight. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak. He never grows weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fail in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. God, tonight we identify with you. You are our banner. You wave strong over our life, Lord. You give us the strength to take each day with new grace with new power, with new resolve, with new strength, with new forgiveness and new mercy. God, I pray tonight for each person in this room that may be struggling or having a difficult time or, or fighting sickness in their body or having an issue in their family or at work. God, tonight I pray that you cause their eyes to be redirected to look up, to look to that banner and God, I pray that you bring an Aaron and a Hur along their side to encourage them and help them to recognize their Aaron and their Hur and to reach out to them. And God, help each one of us to be an Aaron and be a Hur to one another. Help us, God, not to be so focused on our own life and our own agendas that we miss opportunities to be a blessing, to hold up the arms of people who are weary and tired. Lord, tonight we thank you that you are Jehovah Nisi, our banner. And your banner over us, God, is love. So, Lord, tonight we love you and we thank you and we praise you. We ask that you go before us this week, guide and direct us, bring us back here Sunday.
And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us each week for the CMC podcast. CMC has so much to offer. We host summer camps for all ages, a Christian school, K-4 through 12th grade, youth conferences, a college-age internship, and much more. Go to cmchurch.com for more information about all the great things CMC has for you. 